Kanye West's literally platforms, the most recently cancelled, influencer babies bite back, and Love Island star Molly Mae Haig becomes a fast fashion creative director. We're Maggie and Jasmine, and you're listening to Culture Club, our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We would also like to celebrate their rich history of culture and storytelling that we are all able to learn from. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Another weekend in lockdown. What have you been up to this weekend? Oh, I mean, I got really good pitta, like pitta wraps. I don't know if it's wrap. Pitta pockets. Yes. So I had pitta pockets, which is a very fun alliteration. And I got like this beautiful cauliflower one and um, <laughs> that was the highlight of my day. Honestly. I'm getting some takeaway, which is good. And then just before I jumped on this call, I did some clay pottery at home with my um, little sister and my mum, which was fun, um, except very humbling, very humbling being very bad at something like mm. this. So I'm put in my place. Did you get like a set or like where, what is it? Yeah, I got a set um, from one of my friends for my birthday in February and I just cracked it open um, and it was very cute and I tried to make a mug but it looks terrible and I think it's just going to crumble <laughs> after it's dried. So we'll see, but yeah. Yeah, I did that a few weekends ago and then you have to leave it for a week to dry obviously and then you go to a, a kill in the place mm. um, and I left it outside. <laughs> Uh-oh. Because I was drying and then I went outside a few days ago and it had all disintegrated in the rain. R.I.P. Little mug and flower thing. I bet that was your best work as well. Oh, yeah. The first one was my best, obviously. Um, But luckily because it's clay, I just rolled it up in a ball and put it away. So I can still reuse it. Just try again. Also, it's about the act, right? Like in lockdown, we've got to keep our hands busy, keep our brains busy. So it's kind of like more about making it rather than, oh, I have a mug now. Oh, exactly. Um, and apparently I just like feel like even after I glaze my mug, it's just not going to, I feel like it's not sanitary. I feel like <laughs> I'll catch some disease from my own making, but you're right. It's nice to keep your hands busy. Um, did you do anything fun? Um, yesterday I went to the beach again, um, just for one of those quick swims, winter swim, which was nice. It was really sunny yesterday. So got out for my one hour of cycling and uh sunshine and today the highlight was I was laying in bed feeling sorry for myself but I made myself get up and walk to a cafe and when I was in the line waiting to get my coffee I saw one of my old high school friends who was also happened to be waiting um for coffee so it was like an incidental legal meeting accidental so we said a quick hello while we're waiting for our takeaway so that was nice I was glad that I left my bed (laughs) oh I love that that is so nice yeah I swear my takeaway coffee runs are saving me and I've been spending 650 almost on the dailies I know I know support local babes (laughs) what are you getting that costs 650 okay so I'm getting okay so soy milk 50 cents and then hojicha latte which is like this great um like tea 
chocolate latte thing or a matcha latte, which is five, no, it's six dollars, which is still a lot. Um, but I'll have that like a couple times a week and then maybe another coffee, like, like one or two coffees that that's, you know, four fifty the other days. But you know what? I've like added it up in my head and I'm like, the max I'm spending on coffee is like $20 a week, which is okay. That's like one brunch out. You know what I mean? Exactly. Oh yeah. yeah justifying yeah. it. Totally. I, I really dislike the like money arguments of like, stop getting takeaway coffee it's so expensive and it's the reason you can't buy a house because I'm like especially at the moment that is one of the only things bringing me joy (laughs) it's like the only reason to get out of the house at the moment is to go support your local cafe and get an almond cappuccino but yeah 650 is a lot (laughs) when sometimes when they're like six dollars I'm like oh that hurts but I'm gonna do it anyway but my average is like 455 yeah beautiful I feel like it's fine that's fine. I went to one cafe back in the day, um, near my old work, and it was eight. Or, wait, it was eight dollars for a chai latte. But then I know that was literally insanity. And then they upped it to twelve dollars or something. What? Twelve dollars for a drink of yeah, hot like chai. they they make their own chai or something. But I'm like, I don't care. Jeez, that's like a glass of wine. Yeah, it's like a bottle of wine, honey. <laughs> no, a glass wine out. Yeah, fair. <laughs> a house wine is like $12. But yeah, a good bottle, 12 bucks. Not bad. Not bad at all. While us plebs were debating how much a coffee should be, this week a leaked Met Gala seating plan was just what the internet needed. It took off on TikTok, where a screenshot of a poorly made diagram with names of supposed Met Gala guests around a table was doing the rounds. And it looked so fake. I don't know how this had legs to get spread like wildfire on the internet. Have you seen them? Oh, my God. It looked like it was made on paint. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, I I just keep thinking about this. It sounds so random and a very specific detail. But I keep thinking about these really weird, like, flower symbols they, like, left on the table to make it seem more, like, legit or elegant. The seating plan showed James Charles between Idris Elba and The Weeknd, Emma Chamberlain between Beyonce and Lady Gaga, Dixie D'Amelio sitting between Katy Perry and Billie Eilish. Um, I remember seeing these and thinking, how is Addison Rae opposite Beyonce? But I thought it was fake when I saw James Charles's name. Why would they have Ooh. James Charles, like this disgraced TikTok YouTuber star? Surely there are other problematic people who get invited, though. Yeah, but they are more legit celebs, I think. They're not like young TikToker 22. They're like people who've had two decades career and then they've done problematic stuff. I'm trying to think of, I don't know, maybe Jay-Z cheating on Beyonce or whatever. Mm. Um, Not just like basically children. (laughs) (laughs) No, literally. Oh, my God, it's so funny. It gives off like school formal vibes. Mm. (laughs) The class of the age there. Um, But the rumours have been put to rest kind of by Dumois, um, anonymous submission to them. Um, and the source did say that Addison Ray was actually invited. And, you know, that kind of makes sense to me. I'm not really surprised or mad about it. I think she will be there. I think the D'Amelio sisters could also be there for real. Um, Addison has been in some really high profile editorials lately and 
I don't think they're half bad. Um, and she's obviously also in the new movie, He's All That, mm. um, which we spoke about a few weeks ago. So I think Addison is one of the more legit celebrities from TikTok. Me too. Um, apparently someone else wrote in and said that Emma Chamberlain was going to be there. They were like, Emma will be there dressed in Louis Vuitton. Mm. But I don't think so. I don't I can't think picture she her there for some reason. There. Neither. I don't even think she would want to go. But yeah. Me do I, what do I know? <laughs> She's just my bestie. <laughs> okay. So I know this is all a bit of fun. Like I want to label it harmless fake news. You know, this is not doing anyone any harm. But I do find the discourse of celebrities versus um, influencers quite tired and just a little bit redundant because, I don't know, people feel so pressed to gatekeep. Like just because someone has built their followings from being online or being a media personality, it doesn't make their fame less valid. Like, excuse me, Miss Paris Hilton. (laughs) What do you think? Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with that. I did see a lot of like, how are these people invited to the Met Gala? And like, well, I don't believe James Charles should be invited. Mm. Um, These people are the latest like fashion icons and, you know, Addison's getting an acting career and Dixie's trying to have a music career. Like, this is Sorry, that was a little bit (laughs) But not that I'm saying that I don't disagree with you. Continue. But I feel like they're just like the new version of YouTubers and they're mm-hmm. just being found or like um, scouted in a different way than what celebrities were 10, 20 years ago. And it, it really reminds me a lot of me, print media, old school media guard when bloggers and Instagram and stuff was coming in that like how are these people legit and it's like mm-hmm. this is just the new wave coming up and these people are all over the magazines right now. You have the D'Amelio sisters on the cover of Paper magazine this month. Addison Ray is in LUSA and she had a editorial with Variety magazine as well. Um, so it's not a surprise they're going to be invited to one of the biggest fashion nights of the year. So I totally get that there are varying levels of talent and experience from the guests that are typically um, invited to the Met Gala, but you know, all in all, I think embrace a change or be left behind. There's no there's no room for this kind of, oh, they've made it, but they haven't. You know, mm. we don't need that. Okay, Jazz, I want you to imagine this. Kylie Jenner is having like a conversation with a normie mum, maybe at like school pickups or something. And the normie mum goes, my kid is obsessed with a TV show, The Magic School Bus. And then Kylie goes, hmm, interesting. And goes home and just buys Stormy a whole yellow school bus. (laughs) Sorry, I can't keep a straight face. Oh, my God. That situation is essentially what happened this week when Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott were called out for possibly buying a school bus for their three-year-old daughter, Stormy. Yeah, so according to Teen Vogue, Kylie recently shared a few snaps of Snobby to her Instagram stories, saying that she's been obsessed with school buses lately. Um, and apparently Travis surprised Stormy with one so she can live out her dreams. Um, Kylie wrote in her Instagram stories, all Stormy has been talking about is riding a big yellow bus. Daddy surprised her. 
Okay, I think this is so sweet, and three-year-olds are obsessed with, like, very random things, but the picture (laughs) of Stormy actually in the bus by herself Mm. made me so sad. Like, I think the whole point was that, you know, you see those, like, in the American TV shows, there's, like, a whole bunch of kids on this yellow school bus. Isn't the point that there were other kids there? She wanted to, like, have that experience of, like, going on a school bus. I was so prepared to just like laugh at this segment, but now you've made me really sad. Wait, does she have friends? <laughs> <laughs> yes, she probably has many, many friends and cousins, obviously. But um, yeah, like those kids are going to have such a different school life than normal. Mm. Um, but uh, this story went mad on Twitter. So many funny tweets about like the Jenners cosplaying um, poor people today. <laughs> like, have you heard the TikTok sound that's like, love this game? And it's like Stormy <gasps> getting on the bus, like, <laughs> dressing up as a poor kid. I love this game. <laughs> Stop it. That is so funny. Um, no, I haven't seen that, but hilarious. Other tweets pointed out how out of touch it is, of course. Some said, I feel like Travis buying Stormy a school bus so she can role play being a normal kid is going to be an event she'll have to unpack in therapy one day. Yeah, another one read, rich people are literally so far from reality, they bought a school bus for Stormy to sit on. Yeah, I agree with the first one about having to unpack it in therapy. Like, I remember when I was three years old, I wanted a school bus and I just wanted to have like 30 friends, but then it was just an empty school bus and I just sat there with my backpack by myself. That is like weird. They... Yeah, and that is the lifestyle that Kylie and Kendall have had as well, like right. just growing up with this insane amount of like fame and money. So that's going to get passed down to Stormy and then the cycle is just never, ever going to end <laughs> of these this family doing like crazy stunts. I am so intrigued to see um, what Stormy will be like in, you know, another 10, 15 years, whatever it might be. When she enters um, her teenage years, I wonder if she will follow um, in her footsteps of her mum and be this like serial entrepreneur at age 14. Like I would not put that past her and mm-hmm. her team and mm-hmm. her team and her people. <laughs> We'd have like a team of people. That's so strange. Speaking of crazy stunts from the Kardashian family, Kanye West made some headlines this week after his live album event. The rapper debuted a version of his new album Donda, named after his late mother, in his hometown of Chicago. He'd already played two stadium events in Atlanta. So the show started with an exact replica of his childhood home in the center of the arena. That's another thing you have to unpack in therapy. I was just going to say, was just going to say. Men will literally create an arena stage version of their childhood home instead of going to therapy. (laughs) Hilarious. So it starts with that. And then some controversial guests appear. Alleged sexual abuser Marilyn Manson and open homophobe DaBaby come out on stage the baby was masked up but people assume well people have said it's him and it's been confirmed i sent you the links to this last week what were your initial thoughts when i sent it to you i think my actual reaction was like i mean come on Mm. like are you serious like is this really is this really happening like why why are we doing this Mm. um it just felt like the weirdest PR stunt to mm-hmm. I guess engage an audience that is very much not us um, and he almost feels like he's playing into this character that 
a lot of the media has kind of portrayed him as, but yeah, I don't know. How did you feel? Yeah, I felt the same, but it's actually made me even more critical of him, which I think it was his point. I feel like he's mocking mm. cancel culture here. Right. Um, it does feel like he's taunting us almost by trying to be edgy. Like you guys can't cancel people. Like I'll bring out the two most like recently can- cancelled, which isn't even a thing, especially for men in um, the entertainment industry. Mm. But, yeah, it's a big statement, but not surprising given all of his support for Trump and, of course, his um, run for president late last year. But I put that down. I was watching, like, his speech when he was running for president and stuff, and I just felt sad. Like, it's just obviously he's having very public struggles with mental health, and I just don't think he should be in the spotlight at all. I mean, who am I to say that? Just, like, this girl from Australia. But, like... Yeah, this just is another stunt for more attention, I think. Mm. No, I definitely agree, especially what happened last year. It almost felt like self-exploitative. Like, mm. obviously, I don't know what he's going through and um, what his thought process is. But, yeah, it was very hard to watch. Yes. So a few episodes ago, we spoke about baby's homophobic rant on stage at um, a music festival in Miami. And Marilyn Manson is currently being sued for a number of sexual assault allegations, which were first started by his ex-partner, actress Evan Rachel Wood. So after those gang of abusers have been seen by the world are on stage, um, Kanye lights himself on fire, crazy stuff. And then afterwards, his supposed ex-wife, Kim Kardashian, walks towards him in a beautiful wedding dress before the lights go out. This has also caused a lot of controversy this weekend over are they together, are they not, what's going on. I think that she is just supporting his art, if you can call it art. I don't think they're back together. Mm, interesting move because um, I don't think they're together too, but I wonder why she would be um, going along with this. I wonder if she knew the lineup and what would be happening and um I also wonder if she signed contracts that made her do it as well. Like, she's like, fuck, I like signed this months ago. I've got to pull, like, pull through. Surely not though. Oh my God. So true. So because we're obsessed with pop culture, I read this piece by Jessica McKinney for Complex Magazine, which I feel like sums it all up. So Jessica actually went to the event in Chicago and the piece is talking about her experience of watching it live And this is the last few paragraphs. By the time I finally get an available lift and make my way back to my grandparents' home in a suburb of Illinois, it's 3 a.m. What was that supposed to mean, my grandmother asks. She's been sitting in the dark with the TV on mute, waiting for me to make it home. My mum, who is supposed to be asleep in the guest room, is also wide awake, looking at clips of the show on her phone and throwing out guesses of what each thing symbolises. He lit himself on fire in his childhood home to get rid of his past, she says. And as he's born through the ashes, he gets a new life with Kim. He's a phoenix. You're not making any sense, my grandmother replies. Honestly, at this point in the night, it's way too late for me to try interacting with them. There are countless theories about what this listening event really symbolizes. But as I think back on the past 24 hours, the only takeaway that really makes sense to me is that this whole Donda experience is Kanye's attempt at creating a spectacle of chaos and controversy that becomes even bigger than the music. It worked. 
That is such a good point. Um, you know, Kanye's music's not really for me, but people talk about how like incredible his previous works were and he was um a real instigator in this like certain type of music and renowned for his music style. And it's quite interesting to see that kind of fall to the wayside and be kind of replaced by just yeah, controversy, as you just said. And it is really sad because this album is named after his late mum and, like, you can literally see a change in him after his mum died in, I think it was 2009, I want to say. I don't know. They're just one of the most famous families in the world and I think it's a big statement. So we'll see what happens next. We're going a bit Gen X over here, but let's talk about 90s grunge band Nirvana. I'm sure you've all seen the cover of the album Nevermind. It was released in 1991, and the album is one of the band's most famous as it features their greatest hits, including, of course, Smells Like Teen Spirit, In Bloom, and Come As You Are. It's also incredibly recognizable as it features a naked baby in a pool chasing a dollar bill. That four-month-old baby is now 30-year-old Spencer Eldon, and he has launched a legal battle against the American rock band over, quote, child sexual exploitation. In the lawsuit, Spencer is suing the surviving members of the band, including, of course, Foo Fighters' Dave Grohl, Kurt Cobain's widow, Courtney Love, and the record label that has been distributing the album for three decades. He says he has suffered lifelong damages from the 1991 album cover, including, quote, extreme and permanent emotional distress with physical manifestations, plus loss of education, wages, and enjoyment of life. The lawsuit claims the image is, quote, sexually graphic and says it makes Spencer resemble, quote, a sex worker grabbing for a dollar bill. It claims Spencer was never paid for appearing on the cover and that his parents never signed a release form for the image, which was shot specifically for the album cover. It has previously been reported, though, that Spencer was paid $250. Yeah, so basically what happened was the photographer had a friend, Spencer's uh, parents, and he was like, I'm taking photos of babies today. Like, let's chuck a kid in the pool Um, because Kurt Cobain actually was fascinated by women giving birth in, like babies being born into water, Mm -hmm. sorry. Um, So he wanted literally a baby being born for the album cover, but they were like, that's too graphic. Let's have a kid in the pool instead. And then they got that shot and – the photographer was like, here's 200 bucks, and it was never spoken of again. And now it's like one of the most famous album covers yeah. of all time. So Spencer is seeking damages of at least 150,000 US dollars from each of the 15 defendants plus costs and asks that the case be tried with a jury. His lawyer said, this is an issue of consent, something that our client never had the opportunity to give because he was four months old. So what are your thoughts on this? Oh, it was so interesting seeing the way that this was reported by the media and the like, oh, come on. Like it makes me um almost cringe. Like, yeah, a lot of the publications I was seeing, reputable ones, um, had very sensationalized headlines and it just made it seem like a joke. Like it was a very easy, a very easy article that would do well online. And he had a lot of people laughing at it um and in a in a way just because i was just purely looking at headlines at the start i was like oh like 
this guy just wants a money grab, you know, why is he speaking up now? Um, which I'm kind of like apologetic for after looking into this more. How about you? Yeah, I feel the same way. I was like, isn't it ironic that like this kid is grabbing for a dollar bill on the most famous cover of all time and now he's 30 and he's like grabbing more money. Um, and I also was a bit conflicted by it because I remember throughout pop culture, like I come from a very musical family. So I've kind of like been following this story for a little while. And I remember like seeing a thing about him, like using it as a pickup line when he was in his early twenties or like there was some joke Mm -hmm. about him using his pickup line and he has a tattoo of nevermind on his body. And he also participated in the anniversary shoots. So at age 25 in 2016, he recreated the photo with the newspaper, the New York Post. So he consented to that. He was going to be naked, but he ended up putting shorts on because he was a 25-year-old man. <laughs> but in that interview, he does say, it's cool but weird to be part of something so important that I don't even remember. But the same year, he also said, Recently, I've been thinking, what if I wasn't okay with my freaking penis being shown to everybody? I didn't really have a choice. And he'd also recreated the image at 10 years old, which I'm like, okay, 10-year-old, no critical thinking skills. But 25, kind of participating in it. And then he gets to 30 and he's like, no, this is wrong. I want 150 grand from 15 people. That is interesting to me. I'm like, what happened in those five years? Is it like because his frontal cortex developed or something like as a man? I don't know. And like... I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I think that's like, it's a lot. Imagine if, you know, millions of people around the world had seen you naked as a baby and I kind of see his thought process. Like, so five years ago, he's like, oh, I've been recently thinking about like how this might not be correct or this not might not be right. And I can totally see this like teenage boy or early twenties guy who's kind of got like, He's like, oh, I've been involved in this very cool pop culture moment. I'm going to use it as a pickup line. Like, this is so cool. And then, you know, maybe it starts like niggling at the back of him and he's like, oh, this doesn't feel right. And like, I don't know if we want to call it trauma, but these things can take years to kind of realize that something's wrong or something wasn't quite right. And I think that's totally fine. Like, as we know, in general consent, I guess when we're talking about sex, you can start, you you can begin um, by consenting with someone, but you can change your mind later on, mm. right? And I wonder if the fame and the money, I mean, I don't think he really, yeah, he got $250, but the fame and whatever other opportunities that might have um, arise, maybe that kind of just softened the blow or, you know, made him think of it. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I get where you're coming from. So in the interview, GQ asks, in the past, you said it was cool. When did that change? Spencer says, just a few months ago when I was reaching out to Nirvana to see if they wanted to be part of my art show, I was getting referred to their managers and their lawyers. Why am I still on their cover if I'm not that big of a deal? Ooh, Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then he said, GQ goes, why did you reach out to them? And he said, I was trying to do an art show with the photographer who took the pictures. I was asking if they wanted to put a piece of art in the fucking thing. So to me, that also sounds like I gave you this album cover. You didn't do me a favor back. We're obviously not friends. Like, fuck you. Give me my money kind of thing. 
Yeah, God, no. Oh my God. Do I just take back everything I just said a minute ago? That's very interesting, especially that line. Why am I still on their cover if I'm not that big of a deal? So he thinks he's some kind of star or something. I think that proves your point. That line proves your point of he was enjoying the fame or like saying to people, I'm the Nirvana baby. And then it didn't suit him at that point. He was like, nah like stuff you guys but also I'm like how do people know that's you <laughs> that's so true you don't look like you did when you were a four-month-old baby that baby could be anyone but like now everyone knows who he is because he's on in newspapers like saying he wants thousands of dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars you people would only be like oh you're the Nirvana baby if you told them you know exactly. what I mean exactly and I think this is quite um normal in terms of how Oh God, it feels very weird calling a baby a model. But, you know, models don't own usage rights to their images. They get paid once off. Mm. Maybe they might get paid more for usage rights. Um, and it kind of sucks if he didn't know or, I mean, again, he was a baby, but if his parents didn't know it was going to be used for the album cover, that might be an interesting case. But, like, oh, I don't mm. know how I feel about this. Yeah, well, it's a complicated issue. The photographer who shot the image said in 2019, I'm still in contact with Spencer. I used to think, man, when that kid is 16, he's going to hate my guts. He doesn't, but he's conflicted about the picture. He feels that everybody made money off it and he didn't. I think he deserves something, but it's always the record labels that make the money. It's always a big businesses, baby. So this whole situation of the Nirvana baby reminds me a lot of the current conversation around kids on the internet. I don't know about you, but I think there are going to be a bunch of lawsuits that we see in the next 10 to 15 years of kids who have grown up with influencer parents. Oh yeah, I totally see that happening because, you know, every moment from the pregnancy announcement to their first words and walks is documented for thousands or sometimes millions of people to see and surely there has to be some repercussions from that. Agreed. I don't know about you, but I feel really uncomfortable when I see the um, like the 3D images of the babies. <laughs> oh, lol, how funny is that? I just feel kind of uncomfortable sometimes seeing so much detail about someone's um, kid. Like I don't, yeah, or not even when they're born, to be honest. (laughs) Um, I don't follow that many mums or many parents um, and that content isn't really on my feed, but for sure Mm. I watch some YouTubers that had kids and whatnot as well. Yes, so fascinating. So a 2010 study, so 10 years ago, so it's already probably, you know, increased since then. But a study showed that in the US, more than 90% of two-year-olds and 80% of babies already had an online presence. And there's actually a phenomenon for this type of content, and it's called sharenting, which I feel sums it up very well. Oh. What do you think about kids on the internet? And if you still have a following when you're older, if Instagram's still a thing, uh, would you show your kids' faces? Where do you draw the line? I think... It's um, in a topic with a gray area, right? I'm mm. like, all parents shouldn't show their child. Like it makes sense to show such a massive part of your life. It's like, of course, some people choose to not show their partners online or maybe their parents or something like that, which is completely fine too. But other people do choose to do that. Um, I do think there should be a balance at strike that's a little bit more respectful maybe or courteous to the children that I don't think 
that's actually really thought of much. Mm. I used to do social media for this like mum kind of brand and it was very interesting to be like kind of submerged in the world of Aussie mum influencers. It was kind of like that boho realm I was looking at, but um, yeah, babies are almost treated like an aesthetic, which sounds Mm. kind of bad to say, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I am very not passionate is not the right word because I'm not a parent. I'm not a mom and I definitely don't want to police people on what they should be doing, but I can tell when someone's crossed the line, I think. And I do find it a very odd situation. And I think about the kids, I'm like, what are they going to be like in like five, 10, 15 years? So I saw a really great Instagram series by Annie Nolan. So she's um, Uncanny Annie on Instagram. She's an Australian media personality, podcaster, and is married to ex-AFL player Liam Picken. So they have three kids who are like primary school age. Mm. But she made a bunch of posts a while back with pictures of her, Annie, like 20-something-year-old, having a tantrum (laughs) in the bath and like crying on the toilet or something. Things that people would post of the kids all the time where, you know, have you seen those pictures of like kids having a tantrum and yeah. the parents just snap a pic and post it and kind of make fun mm. of them a bit. And her posts were basically saying, if you wouldn't post of an adult, don't post of a child. And I fully agree with that. Um, I think there should definitely be boundaries. And I was talking about this before, but I follow a couple of like mums on Instagram and I'm always like, why are you showing me pictures of your child's poop? <laughs> I love how that's a common thing as well. It's not like a one-off. You're like, oh my God, another poo shot. I know. Because I just think it's one thing to take a picture of like a funny poo explosion or a vomit to share to your family group chat or, you know, for your family photo album to laugh out with your close friends and family. But with these people with like thousands or millions of Instagram followers, putting that picture on the internet for thousands of people to see, like, I don't know about you, but I don't want pictures of my crew to have an internet footprint. And I just think that that thing is really good of like consent for children is if you wouldn't post of an adult, don't post of a child. I think that's so true. They're still human and they're going to think about, you know, you should think about 10, 15 years time. Yeah, I think that's such a good measure of whether or not um, something should be posted. Of course, neither of us parents, so we don't know the reality of this. But I think actually treating these kids and babies like real humans rather than props or vessels Mm. for hashtag relatability content feels like a nice thing to consider. And we've actually already seen influencers receiving backlash from their own kids. So a few years ago, a 16-year-old daughter of a mummy blogger made a Reddit post under the funny name, Finally Anonymous 6. So in it, the girl explained her situation and the solution to the problem. She said, I'm a teenager and my mum is kind of famous on Instagram and blogging. She had a mummy blog all when I was growing up. And of course, me and my sister were always involved. It sucks because there's so much out there about us and it's what's going to come up when I'm looking for a job, when I'm dating, when anyone looks up my name. So yeah, she asked her mum a few times to stop posting photos of her online, but her mum didn't budge. So she came up with a plan. So this is continuing on in her Reddit thread. I found a website that will print custom jackets, print all over the front and back and arms. And I ordered some hoodies that say a bunch of phrases all over them. 
No photos, no videos. I do not consent to be photographed. No means no. Respect my privacy, no cameras, no profiting off my image. And she also had some made for her little sister. I think that's just such a sad situation. Oh, yeah, for sure. Imagine having to like get hoodies made because your mom won't stop taking photos of you to share on the internet. And I think her point about like when people Google my name, that's what will come up. Like for these kids of influencers, if they're looking, searching, I don't think Instagram will be a thing by then, but like the internet obviously still will be. So, you know, you've got people aren't thinking about that. They're thinking of like the right now and how much and how many clothes they can sell from their like cute little four year olds, you know, aesthetic mm. or whatever. The mom in this post didn't agree with the hoodies that her daughter was wearing. The daughter says, every time I talk about consent or no means no or how I own my own body, she accuses me of making it sound like a dirty sex thing, which isn't how I mean it. I just think consent and bodily autonomy matters for many reasons, not only sex. Very true. And I think people have these conversations about whether little kids should be like forced to kiss a relative or hug people. And I think adding this extra layer of internet presence and being filmed and photographed just makes it even more complicated. And I'm really proud of this person. Unfortunately, they had to do all this stuff, but for standing their ground, because that must be so uncomfortable. Yeah. And obviously at the end of the day, it's up to you as parents or guardians to think about how you want your child to be perceived and their online footprint. But I do think we'll be seeing many more of these Nirvana Baby-esque lawsuits happening. Love Island star Molly May landed a eye-watering seven-figure deal and the title of creative director of Pretty Little Thing UK late last week. I laughed there because Jazz rolled her eyes and put up air quotes when I said creative director. Yes. Taking to Instagram, Molly shared, this is the biggest move in my career so far, and I can't explain my gratitude to my favorite brand in the world for trusting me with this role. PLT have had faith in me from the very start, and to now be a director within the business feels like a complete dream come true. I hope you're all ready for my visions to come to life within this incredible brand. And among comments on this post of congrats, girl boss, there were others pushing her to use her position to help, quote, end fast fashion and to make Pretty Little Thing more ethical and sustainable. Yes. So the sustainable fashion community was undeniably fired up. Um, I rolled my eyes when he said creative director because I just feel like it's a fancier name for influencer right now. Like... I think Molly May has worked hard to build her brand image and she did study at this like fashion retail school. Um, but this is just, it just makes me so angry. The fact that like she's getting a multi-million dollar deal to be the creative director of a brand that's selling polyester clothes that like you need fossil fuels to create them, but then they're not paying their workers more than like, two pounds an hour how can they be like we're not going to pay our workers more than two pounds but we'll give you seven figures yeah we'll give you over a million pounds whatever it is to for one person's salary and salary like is she working is she going to work five days a week as a creative director pretty little thing like nine to five grind like <laughs> or is it just a name 
like is she just a face of a brand? Mm. It definitely feels like the latter, like a glorified ambassador role title, like very much a title um, rather than an actual role within the company. And in in terms of what you're saying there with, you know, how can they pay one person seven figures when they can't even pay garment workers properly? Well, it's obvious in their eyes that not all women are equal and, you know, mm. it's, yeah, it's really infuriating to see this. So one person that we love, fair fashion campaigner and podcaster, Venetia Lamana, also talked about this online. I found it quite interesting that um, most people I saw speak up about this were super respectful to Molly and also kind of noted that they really like her presence online as well. Um, I like what Venetia said here. When it comes to big fashion and exploitation, we need to hold those at the top to account as they're the ones who hold the power. But we must also consider the power their influencer and TV partnerships like Love Island have in fueling overconsumption of planet-polluting clothes. She also powerfully said, The day when a celebrity publicly declines a fast fashion partnership and uses their platform to raise awareness about the disastrous impact fashion is having on both people and planet cannot come soon enough. Imagine. And UK-based campaigner Gina Martin also said on Instagram, to have someone with this much power and influence push from the inside for the first time to improve the material conditions and lives of the very people who make her collections and therefore make her fortune possible would be a game changer. I'd love to see her use this opportunity to have meaningful conversations with the brand around the treatment of their workers. I love Gina's hopefulness and optimism, and I don't have anything against Molly May. She has done incredibly well, but I don't think it's not going to happen. If she hasn't spoken up and said something now, she's not just going to suddenly become this like fast fashion campaigner and be like, I'm on the inside. Can you imagine Molly <laughs> May? Like, I'm on the inside doing this investigative report in how Pretty Little Thing treats their workers. No, they gave her over a million pounds to be the face of the campaign. Like, that's not going to happen. Oh my Sorry. God. Thank God. Okay, good. We are on the same page because like, I'm feeling so mixed about this. Like, obviously I wish it didn't happen and I wish the funds were redistributed to garment workers and whatnot. But like, what did we expect? You know, Molly May has been working with them for such a long time. She hasn't spoken out, out about sustainability. Like that's not what she's known for, you know? Um, and I just don't know what people want like was she going to turn it down i don't think so is she going to be using her platform to start speaking out against this brand no you know so this is what i'm wondering now like what do we do from this like how do we move forward Mm. my thing is like do influencers need to be using their platform for good should they have a sense of responsibility to act on the climate crisis I wish everyone did. I saw this great flex mommy TikTok the other day where she was saying like she understands why people live in ignorance and why they just don't want to like think about issues too deeply and have no critical thinking skills because like can you imagine? It would be so easy. Life would be so easy if you actually didn't think about like other people. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine a brand being like give you seven figures and you had – this much lack of morals that you could literally put a whole demographic of people out of your head and just accept the money. Oh, what it would be like to live in naivety and ignorance, blissful ignorance, you know? 
a lot of people have been saying, make Pretty Little Thing more sustainable, make it more ethical and fast fashion, but that is impossible. You can't make, we've spoken about this before, you can't make fast fashion sustainable. I mean, unless you're buying, anyway, we've had this conversation before, go back and listen to older episodes, but um, especially for Pretty Little Thing, they would have to like end the business. There's no way you're making Pretty Little Thing, which puts out like thousands of styles every week, every day, sustainable. It's not going to happen. You can use all the recycled polyester you want, but it's not going to happen. And I just think we are looking to the wrong people to make this change. Like she's a product of the system. She can't break it while she's in it. Like it just doesn't make sense. And I don't know, I feel quite hopeless in this sense because it's like, well, then what? But I mean, you know, I don't expect Molly May to be like queen of sustainability tomorrow. Imagine if Molly May like did a whole 180 and became like an Emma Watson, Venetia Lamana, Greta Thunberg person. Imagine if she had just like changed her whole business model. That'd be amazing. It would, but she'd be making much less money. <laughs> yeah. Mags, what have you been reading, watching, listening to, loving this week? Yeah, I've swapped a lot of my screen time for a book this week. Um, very cute, very wholesome. My nighttime routine is now um, after dinner, I'll make a tea and have a biscuit and play Monopoly Deal with my little sister for like a long time. And then I'll just read. Uh, that's what I've been doing for most nights at the moment. I think just after like a full day of being on my laptop, I'm like, I need to put that beast away. Um, speaking of beasts, I'm also currently in full fantasy escapism and I am almost finished Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. So it's best described as queer Harry Potter and has elements you know and love from fantasy books like, you know, like a magic high school, the chosen one, monsters and villains. Um, but the better Part of that is that there's this incredible queer storyline that I am just so invested in. I haven't felt like this since like a teen reading, you know, these types of like love rom-com books. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's very fun. Okay. So this is funny, but confusing. So Carry On is actually a spin-off from another one of Rainbow's books called Fangirl, where the protagonist writes a fanfic about the fictional series Carry On. So then she like, kind of writes that fictional series afterwards does that make any sense to you yeah very strange though right but anyway yeah it's taking me back to my teen years i am really enthralled by it it's always nice to have that feeling of just wanting to pick up your book and read so i've got that at the moment yes i love when that happens and it feels like happens less and less as you get older or something or compared to when we were teenagers reading Hmm. yeah But what about you? What have you been loving this week? Funnily enough, I also have a book recommendation. Why we always match. I know. This is not on purpose. Like we don't say, what are you recommending? Okay, I'll recommend the same. (laughs) But this week I have been reading Small Joys of Real Life, which is a novel by Australian writer Ali Richards. So it is set in Melbourne and it follows the story of Eva, a 20-something-year-old woman who becomes pregnant after a one-night stand. Before she realizes she's pregnant, though, the father dies. It happens very early on, so it's not a spoiler. 
but the book follows her navigating how to deal with that being unexpectedly pregnant as a woman in she's 27 I think and obviously her the father of her child dying I was convinced to buy this after one seeing the very pretty cover it's like very pink and cute but also when her writing style was compared to the millennial queens Dolly Alderton and Sally Rooney um so I love that it's similar style to them, but everything is set in Melbourne. So it's really weird uh, reading a book, a novel, being absorbed in this different world, but then they're going to, like, the Tote and, like, Northcote Social Club and, you know, she lives in, like, Northcote Thornbury where I used to live. So Adore. that's really weird but um, nice as well. And it's nice to, like, read about Melbourne before lockdown. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, imagine, like, getting a train and then, like, going to a gig couldn't be me but I think it's one of the best books that I've read all year I just am really I really like her as a person and a character Mm. and I've got the same thing as you like I'm really looking forward to picking it up and I want to you know know what happens so yeah really beautiful writing as well oh so nice I will definitely borrow that after you (laughs) book swap I don't know if you like mine (laughs) I don't think you want to read mine. <laughs> well, I was thinking when you were recommending it, I was like, oh, I haven't read a fantasy series since I was literally like 14, 15. So yeah. maybe I'll try it again if you think it's enthralling. Yeah, sure thing. You can pick mine at the local pick mine up at the local library. So Aww. you can do that too. Cute. Cool. That's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope everyone's staying safe and well and as best they can. Yes. Um, we will catch up with you online at Culture Club Pod on Instagram. And we will be in your ears next week with an interview episode. Finally. It's been so long. I know. Not just our voices. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.